Hi, you're listening to The Why Between the Lines, a podcast produced by Refresh Marketing, Australia's longest-running copywriting agency. I'm your host, Natalie Sia, and in this podcast, we dive into the why behind what people do. Whether it's a business, a job, or a passion, we want to hear the story behind it. Gary Peer & Associates is Melbourne's leading independent real estate agency. Almost two years ago, co-founder Philip Kingston knew it was time to take the Gary Peer brand to new heights. So he engaged Refresh Marketing to create a content strategy and become the agency's ongoing content marketing partner. Since then, we've been working together to write memorable and emotive stories, which are published weekly on The Peer blog and in their quarterly publication, The Peer Review. And today, I'm excited because Philip Kingston is our guest on the show. Philip tells us how and why he began his real estate agency, why he believes we are all, in fact, a salesperson one way or the other, and the importance of making mistakes. Hi, Philip. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Natalie, lovely to be here. So let's start from the very beginning and maybe even slightly before that, because I've read that um, after uni, your career actually started in retail. So can you just tell me how did you make the move from retail to real estate? So uh, it actually goes back a lot deeper than that. So if I think about the essence of how I've come to be who I am, I discovered at the age of about eight that I love to sell. Wow, and I, re- I remember being at a country fair, which most of your listeners won't have any idea what a country fair is, but the fair comes to country towns on an annual basis. And I remember going to a country fair and there was a guy that was spinning the wheel of fortune. And I was mesmerised by the wheel, but he was so uninspiring. I stood there and watched him spin the wheel and call out to people to come and participate. But he was so uninspiring, nobody came. But I was completely, I fell in love with that wheel and I fell in love with the concept of how do I get people to attract people. So I tapped him on the shoulder and said, mate, can I help you here? Uh, And because it was a country fair and that's the sort of thing people do, he said, absolutely. So I started shouting at people going past uh, and beckoning them over and actually making a show out of the wheel. Uh, And before long, we had a whole crowd of people um, standing in front of the wheel and they too became mesmerised. But it was the, it was the, uh, I was, even at eight, understood the power of theatre bringing people to somewhere that you want them to come to. So that was me discovering that I wanted to be a salesperson, but I didn't really realise it until I went to university, studied economics, and after three weeks I dropped out because it was the most boring subject (laughs) on the planet. So I dropped out of university thinking that I was just going to defer. Uh, I thought I'd better get a job before I told my parents that I dropped out of uni. So I took the tram into the city, got off at Swanston and Burke and thought to myself, I better get a job by the time I walk up Burke Street to Spring Street. So I walked up knocking on everybody's door saying, have you got any jobs? I got almost to Spring Street and there was a retail company that said, yep, in fact, we're looking for people. Uh, can you start tomorrow? I started tomorrow in wow. retail and absolutely just loved the whole selling experience. 
I had a fairly rapid rise up the up the command chain, uh, and keep in mind this is the '80s before most of your listeners have been born and before podcasts were invented. Um, but I just loved every moment of it. Uh, my my good friend Gary Peer was already in real estate because he dropped out of university a couple of weeks before I did. He I went, see a theme here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He went straight into real estate because he always knew that's what he wanted to do. And on top of it, he was uh, studying real estate at university Uh, and we just worked alongside each other. I was in retail, he was in real estate. I developed my passion and understanding of what makes a consumer buy. I refined my skills in retail, uh, not knowing what I wanted to do and he kept saying, come into real estate, come into real estate. And as I grew up a little bit and keep in mind I'm now, I suppose, 20 Uh, growing up a bit sounds a bit ridiculous Uh, but I I thought that I knew I loved selling but I figured retail wasn't for me because I wanted to utilize my selling skills to my best advantage so I looked at real estate I also looked at uh, what was the other ultimate product as a 20 year old I thought selling jets uh, because that's Mm. the biggest ticker price on anything. If you think about a selling a Boeing jumbo jet, if there is still such a thing, you know, they're hundreds of millions of dollars. So right. I inquired with Boeing, uh, almost got a cadetship with Boeing, but they told me that I was going to have to uh, be overseas for most of the year. So I took the plunge and joined uh, my good mate, Gary, in real estate. So that was my journey to getting wow. to that point. Right. So what was it about selling that you really, really loved? Look, I love people. I'm fascinated by people. I think people are extraordinary. I think, um, you know, people come in all shapes, sizes, colours, languages. They all come with a different story, some good stories, some bad stories, some baggage. So I'm fascinated by the human experience. I really enjoy dealing with people. Um, so for me, uh, real estate selling, selling is about understanding people's motivations uh, so I think a really good salesperson comes from a position of really wanting to understand the person before the product. Yeah. And I think if you take the time to explore somebody's personality, explore their motivations, their dreams, their desires, if you explore that before you try to match them to a product, then the experience is a really interesting one for me or for you if that's what you're doing. So I think people are fascinating. I'm drawn to people's stories. Everybody's got a story. Uh, It's the job of a truly professional salesperson. And even to this day, we we now employ 150 people and 15 people in the Philippines. So we're we're regarded as a large organisation. But to this day, I still say I'm a salesperson. That's what I do. I might be running a a good or a medium-sized business, But ultimately, I'm a salesperson. I never lose sight of the fact that my job is to influence people. um, And that's what I do 24-7-365. And I find that very fascinating because I know a few friends who are also in sales and they're really passionate about it. But most of my friends, and myself included, find sales daunting. And there's just something that stops us from, you know, trying to sell to people. And why do you think that's... The case. It's interesting. Um, I, I say to any person that is, is interested in the art of sales is that it should be taught at school because if you think about it, um, we're all in sales. That doesn't matter what your job is. Uh, and let's just take something random that's 
meant to be the opposite of sales, and let's call it academic research. So an academic researcher is categorically not in sales, except I would argue that they are, because in order to get a research grant or get a job or or sell to their head of department why they should be researching something in particular, if you're not able to communicate and if you're not able to sell the reason that you're going to be doing something, then you're behind the eight ball. So I say everybody's in sales. They just either choose not to think about it or ignore it or are too embarrassed to say, you know, my my one of the, the things that I've got to learn is to sell. So I think everybody needs to learn to sell, not as overtly as a real estate agent or a car salesperson. And there are varying different techniques to the art of sales depending on what profession you're in. But if you can't sell the merits of your idea, if you can't sell the merits of, you know, uh, we can even dumb it down, say, to dating. I mean, at the end of the day, Mm. everything is about selling. But uh, I've always been uh, mystified why the name salesman or salesperson or saleswoman, there, there is a, a, a connotation of something ordinary or not pleasant about it. But yeah. we're all in the selling game, whether we choose to admit it or not. That's so true. And I've also seen um, this, I've read this article that says life is all about selling. Because like you said, everything that we want to do is about selling. Even getting you on the podcast, Philip, was oh, <laughs> a way to sell it to you. That, that's it. That's it. So, you know, it, it's just a great shame that we don't teach communication skills at school better than we do. I mean, I think our education system lets us down so badly in so many things. I think it, it doesn't prepare young people for the adult world. But if I could wave a magic wand... Uh, I would bring in the art of communication as a as a subject from grade six through to grade twelve. I'd t- I'd bring in the study of of investing. I mean, all of these things that young people struggle with communication, investment, all of the, the things that you're required to know in the big wide world. Our education system lets us down so poorly. And I feel like there's so much we could discuss about that, but let's move back and come back to your story. Yep. So you mentioned Gary and it's no secret that both of you are really good friends. And But running a business with your best mate could turn out extremely well or extremely bad. But in your case, of course, it's been extremely successful. Why do you think that's so and what's what's the secret sauce? What's the DNA of our business? Well, the DNA of our business is, is love and trust. So those are two components that if you bring love and trust to a relationship, you've got a much greater chance of it being successful. So I'm just going to backtrack on the story because the story is a very unique story. Uh, Gary and I met uh, at the age of 12 where we sat in that sliding doors moment. We sat on a bus on the way to a youth movement camp and it was a random experience because I was running late for the bus. Uh, The bus was already full. There was only one seat available on the bus, and that was next to this kid that I sat down next to. The bus tour, the the bus trip was three hours. Uh, We sat next to each other. We knew nothing about each other. We'd never met before, but we got off the bus three hours later, two 12-year-old boys uh, having enjoyed each other's company and, and finding an attraction to each other that it was a true sliding day, sliding doors moment because he could have sat next to somebody else, I could have sat next to somebody else, uh, and we may never have really come together. So random moment. But 
we uh, we developed this friendship from the age of twelve. Uh, we didn't. We we went into business um, at the age of twenty three together. So we spent eleven years working each other out, spending a lot of time with each other, uh, and just coming to the conclusion, you know, in our early twenties that we loved, respected, and trusted each other, uh, and there was just a, a unique bond between the two of us that. Uh, enabled us to go into business together at the age of 23 without having to think too deeply about it because we just knew uh, it was just so obvious to both of us that we were both had strong similarities. Um, we were very different and to this day we are very different, but I think love, trust, respect um, and having a very similar value structure was just one of those random moments where you, if you're lucky enough to meet somebody in your life, that's like that, and I've been lucky enough because I've been married for 30, 30, 35 years this year, uh, and I've also found somebody that uh, I love, trust, respect, and have grown together with. So I think, look, you make your own luck in life, but ultimately it was a true sliding doors moment that brought the two of us together. So our business and our relationship, I mean, look, we've had every problem that exists uh, our friendship has been sorely tested many, many times over the years, but we, we're just compatible. We're very different, but we're compatible because we share the same strong values, structure and system. And I think when you're truly aligned with somebody's values, you're able to accept them for the things that you might not like about them. Um, but if, you've, if you know you can 100% trust somebody, um, and that doesn't mean he hasn't made mistakes or I haven't made mistakes or we haven't had some really, some really testing times. But I think if you, if, you're, if you truly love, trust and respect somebody, you find a way to keep moving forward. Uh, and, and I think across our journey of being in business together since 1986, um, we've shared every problem, both business and personal, uh, and we've, we've always been there for each other, not necessarily always satisfactorily. You know, when I look back at some of the situations that we've had together, I could have done things better, he could have done things better. But, but again, it just comes back to this very central core. We have very similar values about life. And speaking of values, um, Gary Peer is also a business that's big on giving back to the community. Has that always been the way from the start? Look, we both come from very different backgrounds, but again, you know, when I, when I think about his family and I think about my family, again, the values are very similar. So we've, we've, we were both brought up to be respectful of people that are less advantaged than we are. And, you know, we, we both come from fairly middle-class existence uh, where we always had enough but never too much. Uh, but we were always brought up by our parents with a with a with a with a, an ability to just see the good in people, um, and we see the best and the worst of people. Uh, but I'll tell you an interesting story. An interesting story was literally the day we opened the business. Uh, we had a community person come and see us, and the community person came into our office and wanted to have a chat with us about us donating to a project that he was involved in. Uh, and both Gary and I sat there quite bemused because we literally just opened the doors to the business. Uh, and this man was asking us for money that we didn't have. We had, mm. because when we started the business, we had no money. 
We had no clients and we had no houses for sale. We were actually the smallest real estate agency on the planet. It's hard to be smaller than somebody <laughs> with no money, no clients and no houses for sale. Anyway, he gave us this lecture about why we should give. Um, and he was a very wise fellow, a religious fellow, and he basically gave us a almost a biblical tour of why one should give. And if, you, and if you're a reader like I am, whether you're reading the Old Testament or the New Testament or whatever other uh, whatever biblical um, guide that you use, um, he was basically just saying, look, the more you give, the more you get back. Now, we at, at the age of 23, when somebody said, the more you give, the more you get, I suppose the first thing that we thought of all is if we give some money, we'll get more money in return. That was probably what we were thinking of at the time. What he meant, obviously, was the more you give, the more you get back in terms of being a better person and helping right. helping society. But I think we, we, we were suckered for, you know, just thinking <laughs> it was going to help our business. So uh, we gave money that we didn't have. Uh, wouldn't have been a lot of money, but we, we, we gave. Um, and that was, the, that was the start of our journey of giving. Now, we'd both done voluntary work prior to that. Um, so it's not like we were new to the philanthropic world or the world of just being a better human being. But it did start our journey of you have to give and when you give, you do get back. Um, and obviously, what you do get back when you give is just being a better person, a better part of the, uh, of the human community. So um, it, that was the start of it. But we both just love being part of a community. So if you think about our office started in Orong Road in Caulfield North, it's grown geographically to cover very big territories. And as a result of that journey, we have been involved with just about every community organisation there is because as you'd start to develop a profile and as you start to give, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, but people hear about you giving. So uh, yeah. the more you give, the more people are coming at your door asking for you to give. So it starts to snowball. Uh, but we just embraced it because we genuinely believe that we're fortunate and if we can share our fortune, our limited fortune, let's keep things in perspective, we're, we're not the Rockefellers, um, but, but ultimately we just love giving because when you give, you help people and when you help people, the, the planet just becomes a better place and you can only solve the problems on the planet when people are aligned with a better sense of purpose. Now, I don't want to overplay this. I don't want, to, I don't want the, the listeners to think that, you know, I'm just the most beautiful person with beautiful <laughs> values. I'm as complicated and as uh, I'm as complicated and as difficult as anybody else. But the, the the DNA of our business is to employ decent people, provide them with an opportunity to succeed, and also to show them the way of giving. Because when you do give, you do get back and. I suppose very selfishly I would say to you that it's been a very worthwhile um, value system because the more you give, the bigger our, the more we give away, the bigger our business grows. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But, well, we do what we can and I like that it's still part of your DNA to just do what you can to give back to the community and to support the people around you. Um, so back to when, because you mentioned that when you started, you were like the smallest real estate agency, no money, no clients, no houses to sell. 
So what were some of the struggles that you experienced while starting up? Because we know starting a business is always hard, always difficult, no matter how much people try to romanticize things. So what were some of the struggles that you went through and how did you overcome them? So we've had every possible struggle. So if you think about it, our, our business started in 1986. Here we are in 2023. That's a lot of years. Um, and we, we definitely started the business too young. To be a real estate agency owner at 23 is too young to start a business. But having said that, uh, I'm really glad that we did because it gave us a long time to make a lot of mistakes where we didn't need much. So if you think about it, our life was very uncomplicated back when we were 23. What did we need? We needed a car. We needed basic accommodation and we needed three meals a day. We didn't really need much else. We didn't have huge financial commitments. So we were, we were young and stupid enough to think we could do it, uh, but we were also young enough to spend a decade working ourselves out. Uh, I think that the reality about business, um, business is hard. Being, an, being a business owner is completely underrated for how hard it is. Mm. Um, and I think that across my journey, I've seen many people start businesses and fail because it's hard. I respect anybody that starts a business and fails because everybody thinks it's a lot easier than what it is, but it is seriously hard. And I think there's a lot of employees that look at their employer and only see what, what the good parts of owning a business are, they don't see the blood, sweat and tears that goes into it. So um, across our journey, uh, we've made every single mistake there is possible to make. Um, I would say, though, that we never made any ethical mistakes because we, we, knew, what our, we, we, we knew what our DNA was and is. So we didn't make necessarily any ethical mistakes, but we've just made every single business mistake along the journey. Um, employing people is really hard and motivating people is really hard. Uh, and when you're 23, you're full of testosterone, you're full of, uh, we can own the world, and you don't necessarily behave or treat the people that are working for you in the way that is best for them. So, you know, when I think about being an employer, uh, and Gary and I have very got very different management ways. He's a lot softer and more caring on the surface than I am. I'm much more brutal, but also deeply caring. But I think that um, I think that a lot of our employees along the journey, a lot of our team members uh, would have would have gravitated to either him or us, depending on what their personality and style was. But along that journey, I have made every single mistake possible. Uh, and it's really only now, uh, as I'm a much older, wiser person, that I've started to realise what I need to do to motivate people and the fact that not everybody is uh, adapts to my style. So those that don't adapt to my style, Gary will look after and vice versa. But owning a business, motivating people, employing people, meeting payroll, uh, it is a completely small business and we're now regarded, I suppose, as a larger business, although I, I think both Gary and I still think that we're running a medium-sized business. We still think we're running a family business and the values are still very much family-orientated, but it is incredibly hard to employ people. Um, so what have I learned across the journey? I, I've learned that um, you need to have 
a great deal of experience to be a good employer. And I would say that for my first 20 years of being an employer, I was hopeless, terrible at 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 getting the best out of people because, you know, I was trying to work myself out. And, you know, I think the, 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 rea- the, the somebody said I've just experienced a bit of a milestone birthday. I won't say how old I am, but, but I will say that I reckon, and I'll speak for men, um, I don't reckon men work themselves out really until they're, they're well into their 40s. So uh, the business was started by two young men that spent 20 years trying to work it out. But the one thing that we always brought to the table was good ethics. Uh, and the other thing that we brought to the table was the ability to work incredibly hard. Uh, both Gary and I have worked incredibly hard. We had part-time jobs since the age of eight. Um, you know, he worked in milk bars. I mowed lawns. I worked on a farm. He's, you know, we, we, the, we, we have a huge capacity to work hard. So uh, we worked incredibly hard across the journey, but um, I think in fairness to both of us, uh, he may think otherwise, but I, I don't think that you really work things out until you're in your 40s, which is, you know, we all think we know it all in our 20s and in our 30s, but you do need scar tissue and you do need to have made a lot of mistakes to be successful unless you're, you know, uh, in the tech space where you can dream up something and, 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 and sell that idea. But for normal people, and I regard myself as a normal person, you know, I've, my journey has become successful over decades. Uh, so in that manner, we're, we're running a dinosaur business where we didn't build a business and, and sell it for hundreds of millions within five or 10 years. But, you know, 99% of the people are struggling to make do and to fulfill their journey and ours has been a very long journey and it's a journey of hard work and I would say to all of the listeners um, you know by all means start something and sell it to a multinational company for 150 or a billion dollars but the reality is that's one in millions that are going to do that I think for the rest of us um, being decent giving back working really hard finding finding a team that you can work with that's a lifelong journey. So going through all those struggles through the decades, were there any moments where you feel like you've hit the lowest point and you were maybe perhaps considering giving up and moving away from it all? I don't think we've ever, we've ever, ever considered giving up. But, you know, if you think in terms of just the human condition, there's no such thing as a person that can be up all the time. And even for you know, I'm not an expert on clinical depression, but, but ultim- ultimately we uh, human beings have a range of emotions and there is a rhythm to it. You can be up for a while, you can be down for a while, you can be somewhere between the two for a while. But I think most human beings experience times of being down and most human ex- humans experience times of really great joy and, and exhilaration. Uh, obviously. It's easier to be successful if you can operate in the zone of uh, of joy and exhilaration more than you experience the times of being down. But we've had many down times, and we've had some existential moments where we did think the business was going to be over. And you know, uh, I would say there were two or three of those moments. Uh, but I was blessed, and I think Gary was blessed because we've got an innate belief in each other 
And one of the joys of having that unique relationship that we do is that if he's down, I'm up. Mm-hmm. And if I'm uh, and, and if I'm down, he's up. So we were always there for each other to drag each other along. So uh, I would always say that, and, and again, you know, look, I'm married to a psychologist, so I've been sucking her brain for 35 years. Uh, sometimes I'm listening and sometimes I wasn't, but ultimately uh, we're all people. We're, we're, we're all trying to get by. I saw a great bumper sticker the other day on somebody's car saying, which said, be nice to everyone. None of us is getting out of here alive. <laughs> and if you think about that, we're all just trying to do our best. Even True. shit people, if I can say that on your podcast, even shit people, there's probably there's a reason for why they're that sort of person. We've all got our baggage and I think most people are just trying to do their best. But uh, if you can find somebody, whether it be your your life partner or your business partner or your circle of friends. I think it's really important to have people around you that have got your back. Um, and if you can find some people or one person that's truly got your back, then you can survive the downtimes. But yes, over our journey, there were some times where we thought, well, we're done, that's it, uh, our business is over. Uh, but we just kind of rolled up our sleeves and had each other's back and doubled our efforts and got through it. So through all these years, I think Gary P has been around for close to 37, yep. 37 years. Yep. Would you say that, because this podcast is all about the why behind what we do, right? So would you say that the why um, behind you know, starting this business of um, Gary Peer has changed or evolved over the years, you think? Oh, it's a great question. And absolutely. So the why back in 1986 was we were arrogant and young enough to think we could do it better than our employers. <laughs> so there was a minor why, uh, a major why as to why we, why we worked hard and, and gathered some successes that we didn't have any alternative. We don't have rich parents to, to help us out, although they had our backs. Uh, but but ulti- ultimately our why in the early years was just we needed to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so the why changes across the journey uh, and it's evolving today. Uh, I, when I think about what my why is today, why do I, why am I so passionate? Uh, and we had a sales meeting on Monday where uh, I walked into the sales meeting, um, probably shouldn't have had three double espressos before the sales meeting because I came in completely wired. But um, I came in and gave the sales team a massive rev up from my perspective. Now, there were probably half the room that I alienated with that level of enthusiasm and passion, and then half the room would have been inspired by it. But my why in that moment in our Monday morning sales meeting was, uh, I believe our team are capable of more, um, but it's more about their earnings than it is about mine. So for me, my why is creating really good careers for our people and creating great opportunities. That's not to say that, you know, I don't enjoy the fruits of our success. Look, you know, I'm, this, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a consumer. I like to consume of goods course. and services. So I'm as guilty as anybody as aspiring for something material. Um, but I, I, I've probably satisfied all of my material requirements. In fact, I have. Uh, there's nothing I particularly need or want that I can't afford to buy. Um, I'm not into private planes and, you know, stu- stupid consumption. 
uh, but I am into, uh, I love beautiful things, clothing, watches, holidays, houses, but ultimately I've satisfied those, I've satisfied my material desires. What I'm really interested in is creating fabulous careers for our people. Um, and one of the things that drove me in a Monday sales meeting was that I'd looked at everybody's financial year results, uh, and I thought there were a lot of people that were just so much more capable of doing better. Not for me, because, you know, if they'd done better, yes, I might have made a few more dollars, but by the time uh, we'd paid the expenses on that money and paid tax and divided between Gary and I, it's not a huge motivator. But um, we've got a lot of people that have come to us in their 20s and they're still there and out there in their 30s, 40s and 50s. So to a degree, I take the responsibility of their future, their family's future very seriously. So my why today is I want to surround myself with people that are committed to the DNA of our business, that are committed to really looking after our clients. And, you know, so my why is I want to continue to deliver the most extraordinary results for our clients, and I want our team to have extraordinary lives, careers, and family opportunities. So my why very much, uh, from my client's point of view, is I know that we do it better than any of our competitors, but I'm always raising the bar. So whenever we're satisfied with something, we say to ourselves, well, okay, we're satisfied, but how do we make it a better experience for our clients. So my why is giving our clients a better customer experience, uh, but also my why is about how do I just continue to create great careers for our people. And, you know, we've got a, we've got a thing called the 10-year club in our organisation, which is once you've been with us for 10 years, we, we celebrate every year for those people that have been with us for 10 years or more. We have a fabulous lunch or a fabulous dinner, uh, amongst many other things that we do. But uh, I think this year we're, we're, uh, our 10-year our uh, club is coming up in about a month's time and I think we've got 35 people that wow. have been with us for 10 years or more. That's so, a great accomplishment. So in a, in a world where everybody thinks it's important to move jobs every 18 months or two years, uh, I think that's a, an absolutely uh, – that, that, that is the biggest con that has ever been put on young people uh, because the more you move – Yes, you will get experience, but you never actually dig. You actually never put roots down. Um, I, I think find an organisation that can look after you and help you grow and stay there and contribute, learn and grow. So I'm I'm really proud of the fact that we have relatively low turnover in our team, uh, and people find a way to build a career with us. That really speaks volumes about the work culture at Gary Pierce as well. So what would you say is your proudest achievement? My proudest achievement, I've got many achievements of which I'm proud of, so I don't think that I can isolate a, uh, my proudest achievement. Although when I look at my family, um, you know, I'm still married to the same person, we've grown together, We've had every issue along the journey that two people in a marriage have or, a, a, you know, a, a permanent committed relationship. Uh, we've got two boys that are, are thriving young adults that are, that are good people. Uh, so I suppose my greatest achievement has been um, having a wonderful, wonderful family. 
Uh, that would be one of my greatest achievements and my greatest other achievement would be um, the fact that I'm still in business with the same person and we're both continuing to challenge each other. So all of my achievements are really based around people. And, and again, you know, I've got so many things of which I'm proud of and I've got so many achievements, small achievements, large achievements, but I think, um, I think family and my partnership are the two most important things to me um, and, and just trying to be a better person, doing what I can to make the world a better place and, and you know, I don't want to overstate that, uh, but I think we're all capable of doing more we're all capable of giving more, whether that be a financial contribution or a voluntary comp- contribution. Ultimately, as I get to this stage of my life, and, and you know, I'm completely motivated to keep going, I'm, I'm going to continue to build this business and, and you know, I want to double and triple it. Uh, but my greatest contribution really is, is just helping community organisations, whether it be with our money or with our time or whether it be our, our leadership, give more get more. It's really simple. Amazing. I feel like we could continue talking for hours, but well, we have to keep to the time. Sure. So this is the last question. And I ask all my guests this, if you could go back in time and meet the younger you, what would you say to the Philip who was just starting out in his career? You know, you really should have sent me that question prior to so that I could <laughs> get, have some time to think about it. Um, look, I, th- I think that interestingly, you just have to make a lot of mistakes. So, you know, I know the question you've asked is a nice question and it's an interesting question, but um, to a degree, the reason I don't like the question, uh, and I say this respectfully to you, is that, um, first of all, it's one of those questions that you cannot go back in time. Therefore, you know, there can be a bit of wasted energy and conversation around it. I think that you have to just put in more, do more, give more and make lots of mistakes because you only learn, you only grow through mistakes. So it's almost like, yeah, if I could go back in time and wave wave a magic wand and sprinkle fairy dust over Philip Kingston, um, that would be great. But, But at the same time, if that journey for Philip Kingston therefore was so much easier, uh, then I wouldn't have the scar tissue that I have now that gives me the strength to draw on in the moments of difficulty. So I do like the question in many ways, but at the same time, uh, go, go out, make as many mistakes as you can that I call good mistakes. You know, we don't want to be shit people and make mistakes that are at the expense of somebody done cruelly. But, you know, when you make a mistake, own the mistake, uh, deal respectfully with the person that has been influenced as a result of this mistake, make lots of mistakes and own them because that's the way you build scar tissue and scar tissue gives you this well of resource that you can draw on when the mistakes or the issues become more complicated because life's journey is complicated. It does get easier, but at the end of the day, I think that that. Most people, myself included, will struggle with life till our last breath. That was Philip Kingston, co-founder of Gary Peer and Associates, sharing his why and his story. Do take the time to have a look at the Gary Peer website and their quarterly magazine, The Peer Review. 
they have a ton of interesting and engaging articles about the real estate market with features on the beautiful suburbs in Southeast Melbourne and the amazing people in our community. I'll put the links in the show notes. The Why Between the Lines is produced by Refresh Marketing. If you want us to help you tell your story, get in touch with us to find out more about our copywriting services. Again, the link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time.